Hey, 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 what's the fuss? And tell me what's up happening. This is the Pyro Light Podcast, episode 11. Today is Friday, September 25th, and we're heading into the midst of week three. You can find the whole Pyromaniac Ensemble cast on iTunes, Spreaker, and Stitcher. And of course, if you guys dig us, take two minutes out of your day, give us a subscription, and leave us a review. It helps us to get noticed and helps out your karma. As usual, you can follow me at Pyromaniacmo. That's all letters, P-Y-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-C-M-O. And I am joined, as always, by my better half, Stag Party. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing good. And if you don't like us, you could do like C.J. Anderson is telling you to do and drop us. I still got C.J. Anderson faith. Oh, I do, too, but he's coming out there and saying, hey, if you don't like me, drop me. Yeah, you know, I get that. Like, I'm sure he hears all kinds of flack from fantasy idiots like us sending him all sorts of hate mail. So I get that, you know. You don't like what I'm doing? Get off my back. I get that. I'm cool with that. I mean, I'm just saying, if you want to drop yeah. him, drop him. I'll, I'll gladly pick him up where, where you <laughs> Yeah, I hope, hope you're in my league if you do. Before we get going, just a quick word from our sponsor at DraftKings, Fantasy Sports Fans are winning huge prizes every day at DraftKings.com, America's favorite place to play daily fantasy sports. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments. Play whenever you want. Just pick up your sport, draft your team, and it's like a new season every time you play. You're never stuck with the same players. Over one billion, one billion dollars <laughs> have been won so far at DraftKings.com this year, and you could be the next big winner. Go to DraftKings now and enter the promo code PYRO, P-Y-R-O. And uh, all new users to DraftKings receive a special deposit matching bonus of up to 600 big ones. And you also get a free three-game voucher. That's on DraftKings.com. Use the promo code PYRO. And let's start off with some Huey Lewis and the notes. Stags, give me some uh, nuke news. I hear some good things practiced today, but what's going on? Well, Nuke originally had a, you know, midweek scare where it's like, oh, yeah. he, he never really came out of the field, but he's got a concussion. And it's like, oh, well, that's that's not good. And, you know, it's like, well, wh- when did he leave? Because he played, like, every snap in that game. Uh, yeah. So it was a little disconcerting there, but now it looks like he's going to go through the protocol and he's listed as probable. So it looks like he will be a big part of your lineups this week. I think this is another week where the Nuke goes off. Yeah, O'Brien, I heard him say, you know, he's being a coach, says uh, nothing's for sure. He's still got to pass that last protocol test, but certainly practicing today is a good sign. Um, boy, the Monday nighter, what about Lacey? If folks want some clarity on this kid, what's going on? I mean, I don't think there is going to be any clarity. I, I don't really like your options. I mean, he practiced today, which is really, really a good sign if you think he's going to play. Uh, I'm usually that risk-averse type with the Monday night games. I want to make sure I have a player that's going to be playing and playing at full strength. So unless I have his direct handcuff and James Starks, I'm probably going to shy away from Eddie Lacy a little bit. I think they might just go with a little bit of more of an air-it-out attack anyways against this Kansas City defense. So I might decide to avoid uh, Eddie Lacy Unless I can slot him into like a flex play and then play Starks uh, over Lacey should something you know late happen. 
Yeah, unless you know you got him as a, a flex play and you can slide in a Kansas City guy or something, you want more clarity before this happens. I think he might tough it out and go, but, man, you never know. And he could be on a snap count. And like you say, Kansas City's giving it up to the passing game. So I think uh, Rodgers is going to take advantage there. And, and you know, today uh, Devontae Adams also practiced. So that's something that's really encouraging that he's also going to play if you're potentially waiting for him. Maybe maybe you have both the Packers in the flex slot. Uh, personally, when I've got a guy who's highly questionable, my first move is to move him to a flex if possible. So that way I give myself the most outs. Uh, that's one of my little things. Like, you know, I think I've got uh, Nuke in there in one flex spot. And then I've got a late guy at a 725 game to sort of slide in behind them just in case. So that's one of my little tidbits is, you know, immediately move a guy to the flex gives you much more roster flexibility when you need to make that, you know, last minute change to your lineup. Uh, that's just a little tidbit. Here's my Crosby Steele's Nash and Young impression. <clears throat> it's been a long time coming. Talking about Brichard Perriman. Give me some good news. I'm an owner of him, and he's back on the field. Well, you're not going to get a lot of good news. Uh, the good news is he's back on the field. That's Practice field. That, that, that's good in its own regard. That's something that's much different than what's been going on here in the last month and a half, six weeks almost, working through that little PCL sprain. It looks like he's going to be you know, on the practice field. Definitely been ruled out for this week, so you don't expect him in your lineup. Uh, and then they play the Thursday after this. So I'm thinking they'll probably just hold them out on a short week as well, you know, try to get some practice reps in, and then use that 10-day kind of rollover time to get Brashad fully up to steam and, you know, taking every single one of Kamarek and snaps, hopefully. Yeah, I've got a, a team in the Pyro League, the Pyro Pro League, that's a late bloomers, uh, I've got Perriman, who I hope to, can uh, finally get on the field in October. Like we said, it's been since like July 30th, I believe, uh, since he practiced last. And um, then I've got my boy, who's starting after two weeks of me waiting and just salivating. But Levy and Bell is finally coming back, so um, – I was, I'm just happy I went one and one in the first couple of weeks, and I'm getting to the second half when my guys can can start playing. Yeah, I've got some late bloopers on that team too. We've got the uh, the Todd Gurley train. Uh, speaking of Todd Gurley, just real quick, uh, he you know, has taken he's been full all week. They officially listed him as questionable. Uh, I don't think anybody's taking that questionable tag too seriously. To me, it sounds more like one of those fake questionables. That's a probable. Uh, he is expected to take the field this week. I am not going to run him out there uh, unless I can get talked into it. But D-Rex is a big push on Todd Gurley. But I, I just think he'll be really limited to, to 10 or so touches this week, and he won't be the guy we want him to be you know, this week. I want to see him do it. Uh, and you've already survived a couple weeks without him, so I think you have other options. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I'd avoid a Todd Gurley. And then we've also got an Arian Foster who, you know, was officially ruled out today. Uh, so he's not going to be in your lineup again this week. But sounds like he's close. 
Like, if yeah, I had to I've, put money on it, I'm going to slide some money on week four. I've got these guys listed in the practice reports, which we'll get to here in, in a sec. But Foster, it was kind of known, you know, we were looking at October. Um, and that, almost, that, I don't think that's really surprising. Almost. Yeah, week four has been a bit of a designation with him. Uh, and with Gurley, I think, yeah, snap count, he's going to be on at least a, a timeshare this week. They're going to work him in easy. I, I wouldn't go full bore on him. Uh, give me some news. What say you about Beast the East? It looks like he's going to be another game time decision. Uh, and, you know, that's a little concerning. Uh, you're kind of worried about if he is or isn't. He's turning into his own little Arian Foster there. And because they are an East team, they usually play those late afternoon games. Uh, so you got, you're a little bit concerned about that. The groin, you know, he played Monday night, looked okay, had that extra day. Question is, on a little bit of a shorter week, is he going to be back in there? I'm thinking he'll be back in there. The question is, what is going to happen in this one? It should be a little bit of an interesting game that will give us a point of reference on how good these Jets really are. Yeah, I saw one of my buddies actually emailed me, and I went and looked it up, but on ESPN, Bilal Powell's ownership rose uh, six most uh, running back this week, about 7%. And moving right into our next guy, I saw Freeman's ownership rose about 10%, and that has to do with Tevin Coleman. What's the news on him? Well, his injury is a rib injury, so it's all about pain management. It sounds like maybe he could play, but it sounds like they're going to take him easy, at least for this week, uh, sort of get him back in the lineup, uh, hopefully a couple weeks down the line. The original prognosis looked... uh, you know, two, three weeks, two two weeks to a month. So uh, I don't think they want to push him too much. I think they like what they've seen. They came out of the gates, you know, at 2-0, and uh, much better than a lot of prognosticators had him. So we'll see, you know, how they treat him. I just don't expect him in anybody's lineup this week. Devonta Freeman looks like he's getting everything. And he's got a pretty cheap price tag all around. Uh, DraftKings, uh, FanDuel. So if you're looking for a real cheap play that you know you want volume from, you know, you could do worse than Devonta Freeman. And the last guy, I know the Huey Lewis news in the notes, the the word on the Twittersphere, that's Twitter for some of you older folks out there, is that uh, things are looking up for DeMarco Murray. What have you heard, Stags? Well, it looks like, you know, we got slapped with the questionable tag, but everybody's sort of expecting him to play. They're just sort of holding him back uh, and letting him ready to go for game action. The thing is, he's going against the Jets front that's been dominant, and their guards have been, uh, what's the exact opposite of Donathan? Because that's what they've been so far this season. Uh, I mean, I'm not looking for a typical DeMarco Murray game this week. Uh, your saving grace will be, can he hammer one into the end zone? Uh, I think most people would actually prefer if he didn't play and, and you know, gave us a look at that Ryan Matthews, uh, Darren Sproles combination to see what sort of, you know, magic they can make together. Uh, if this line is in any parts uh, a fault of DeMarco Murray or if it's just been, you know, how awful these guys have played. Uh, and then in DFS, you'd also have those two cheaper options in a supposedly high-powered offense that we haven't seen anything from yet. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a big proof 
week for Mr. Kelly. And with Murray, you know, I'm not playing him in fantasy necessarily. Uh, I don't have a lot of shares of Murray, but man, I just like seeing the emotion in the dude out there. Just getting angry, and he just looks like he is the only one on the team that's really got some fire to him. And uh, I love seeing that in my football players. Before I move on to uh, some get-through-the-practice reports as quick as I can, uh, I just wanted to give a shout-out. Last week uh, I mentioned a Twitter conversation I had, and I mistakenly said the wrong name. So the underscore B-U-N-N underscore effect. Here's a shout-out to you. This one's for you, Ian. Sorry I uh, misrepresented last week. So on to the practice reports. Stag's already covered a bit of this, but uh, Ellington from Arizona, he's looking doubtful, hasn't practiced all week. I heard Iapati was limited. Uh, he's listed as questionable, and I heard that uh, he's going to go for the first time. Well, yeah. well, Ellington actually got a limited session in today. So he, Did he? He's, he's still a game-time decision, uh, even though he's not a guy I would look to start. Uh, I don't think no. any of those guys are looking all that great this weekend, except for possibly David Johnson uh, with his you know big playability. Yeah, when I wrote up my reports, uh, Thursdays were all filed. Um, Fridays were just starting to come in. Uh, I didn't have time to update too many of them. I do have a few Friday updates here. Um, Atlanta, Tevin Coleman, we talked about him already. Julio Jones, um, you know, questionable Thursday. He was limited. Uh, but, you know, he sat out most of last week. He had a spectacular week, too. Uh, I don't see any reason to doubt him this week. Um, the Baltimore, we talked about Paraman, Talia Farrow, my, the vulture for love of my life, uh, Justin Forsett, he went from, uh, he's questionable still, did not practice, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Buffalo, we got Harvin, he's went from probable Wednesday, uh, did not practice, then into a full on practice Thursday, he should probably be all right, McCoy, um, talked a little bit about him, I believe, moved from questionable Wednesday, did not practice, and then went full Thursday, he's listed as probable Tyrod Taylor, he should go, uh, listed as probable. Carolina, man, Kotchery, Keekley, Whitaker, um, they're all listed as questionable. None of them practice except Whitaker. He got limited time yesterday. Uh, Jonathan Stewart, listed as questionable. Did not practice Wednesday, but he got in limited practice Thursday. Before you run to the waivers and grab Cap, Cameron Artis Payne, a guy I'm hopeful for. Uh, Stewart was given the same designation last week. Coach Rivera said it was a veteran move, likely the same deal this week. So in case you saw him as questionable listed, I, I wouldn't sweat it. Chicago, um, Forte, limited practice. And Alshon, I, questionable, did not practice, and I believe he's been ruled out. I have not, as, I have not heard an official designation for Alshon. Uh, just, just a, you know, questionable tag. Uh, yeah, questionable. Did not practice it this week. But it's also the Seahawks, and it's Jimmy Clausen. And if you want to tell me a reason you want to play Alshon that looks good for you, I'll, my ear is open, but I, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, they're starting their backup quarterback. That just It's a tough start. Um, I don't see too much reason to really love Alshon with Clawson. I'm checking Twitter right now. Sports Illustrated, one hour ago, says wide receiver Jeffries out for Sunday. Uh, Eddie Royal, 
questionable, uh, did not practice, but was limited on Thursday. Didn't practice Wednesday, limited Thursday. Um, Wilson, questionable. He's been limited in practice this, so far this week. Cincinnati, A.J. Green, status moved to probable. Um, moved, uh, let's see, moved from probable. Did not practice, but went full Thursday. So he is probable now, excuse me. Cleveland, as we know, both McCown and Manziel were full go. And as you know, McCown's the starter this week. Uh, Winton, God, I don't know how this guy doesn't set off metal detectors as he's driving by the airport. He's got knees and ankles and I'm sure all kinds of metal pieces holding them together. He's like the $6 million man, or they're rebuilding him down in Dallas. Uh, he's limited. I don't know how that man gets through the day. Uh, Denver, C.J. Anderson, probable, went through full. Peyton Manning, he was on the reports, but they say it was non-injury related. Don't sweat it. Uh, Detroit, Stafford's going to go. Uh, he was very... Listed as probable. Pettigrew, questionable. Did not practice at all. Uh, Green Bay, we talked about Devontae already. Cobb, he went full practice yesterday. He's probable. Lacey, talked about him. Houston, uh, besides Foster. Grimes, did not practice Thursday. Uh, personally, if I'm going to go with someone in the backfield, not that I would unless I had a gun to my head, I would probably go with Polk. And Hopkins, we talked about him. Got our fingers crossed, although Cecil Shorts could be a nice play. Uh, Indy, Monte Davis, concussion. So if you're in one of those deeper leagues, uh, maybe with, you know, a Justin Hunter or Harry Douglas, who knows? PFF says he'll mostly be on Douglas, but Monte Davis, I think he's moving pretty fast through that concussion protocol. I think he's going to play. Andre Johnson, probable, full practice. Uh, Dwayne Allen did not practice Friday. Another reason to, like, uh, uh, another tight end down there we'll be talking about later. Mm-hmm. Alan Hearns, Jacksonville, questionable. He was limited on Thursday. Marquise Lee, probable, went through full practice. Denard Robinson did not practice Thursday. He's looking very doubtful. And, of course, uh, Julius Thomas is out. Macklin turned up on the practice reports, but he's already probable as of Thursday. Of course, Jordan Cameron, hopefully you've heard about him, but he's a questionable. Wednesday did not practice uh, the beat writers in Miami said he was out there on a very limited basis on Thursday. Uh, Deion Sims, who's Jordan Cameron's backup, he was limited on Thursday. Uh, that's not a good sign for Stone Burner. The only reason I wanted to bring that up is just to say the name Stone Burner. It's a hardcore name. Lamar Miller, questionable. Uh, did not practice on Thursday, but I see that Omar Kelly tweeted. Quote, he does not look good, you have been warned. So that's a risky call there. Tannehill got into full practice this week. New Orleans breeze is questionable. Uh, limited work on Thursday, but everyone sounds pretty optimistic. I don't like the news that Brandon Cooks did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. What did you say about Drew Brees? Drew Brees questionable. Um, Drew Brees is out. He, Drew Brees is out. Drew Brees is out. Drew Reese is out of town. Wow. That is some bad news for me and all the rest of the Brandon Cooks owners. I thought it was bad enough that he wasn't practicing this week. Uh, Uh, This is a week to definitely sit Brandon Cooks. Yeah, you're telling me. I can't find a good reason to play him just with how he's been playing. And now, hey, you know, Luke McCown, I don't think they're going to throw the rook in there at all. Uh, and Garrett Grayson, you know, ugh, I just can't see a reason to do it. Yeah, I've been hoping for a turnaround there, and it's not going to be coming anytime soon. The Jets, uh, Decker, 
We'll talk about him a little later. He's questionable, did not practice Wednesday, Thursday. Could be good news for Marshall owners. Uh, Revis, questionable. He was uh, limited on Thursday. Uh, this could be good news if you're an Aggie owner and are going to chance it, uh, although I've heard reports that Revis doesn't look that serious. DeMarco Murray, we've talked about San Diego. Uh, Ladarius Green, Thursday he returned to practice. Uh, still listed as questionable, though. Seattle Lynch. Man, this dude, he's always listed as questionable. He's always popping up. You know, he shows up on the reports all the time. Uh, I've seen no cause for alarm there on Twitter. Bush, of course, still not practicing. Listed as questionable. Hyde is probable, uh, as is Torrey Smith. Both of them uh, got in a full practice yesterday. Gurley, we talked about. And Mike Evans, he's probable. He got in a full practice this week, and he should not be on a snap count. Uh, ASJ, he's, of course, out, didn't practice this week. Delaney Walker, I'm going to talk a bit about him later. He's probable after missing last week. Uh, got in some limited time in practice. And let's move right into our flex appeal after we've hit the waiver report, or the uh, health status reports, the practice reports. And Staggs, who are you flexing this week? One of the guys we talked briefly about could be a Devonta Freeman. I just think he's going to get a boatload of, you know, rushes. He might only average three yards of carry this week, you know, but he's going to get them all. And then they're going to be a little bit more pass-happy, and he is the pass-happy guy in that offense. I think they could throw it upwards of 50 times in this uh, sort of, you know, setup. Uh Really looking to, you know, just just get the volume. And at his, you know, pretty low ownership rate and the fact that he should be a major, major part of the offense uh, with no real competition, he's a guy I would consider flexing in most leagues uh, and definitely in PPR leagues. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good coming out of the backfield. Um, I've got a running back flex. I'd go with Gordon this week. Uh, San Diego. Dog's got him ranked 26, so he's right in the ballpark we're talking about for a flex play. Um, faces Minnesota. They've given up the 10th most fantasy points to the position and the 10th most yards so far this season. Don't get me wrong. I love me, my Woodhead. I've got him on a couple teams, but Gordon is looking good. Uh, the way he's running, he's consistent. He's got 17 touches in both weeks. Uh, 16 carries last week in a reception, and he averaged 5.5 yards per carry. So I'm going to flex Gordon. You got a wide receiver pick? Well, I was going to go with a Brandon Coleman. Uh, here, now without Drew Brees, I don't you know, love yeah. it as much. The reason I like Brandon Coleman is because, for some reason, the Panthers can get beaten up by second wide receivers. They are very good against the opponent's number one wide receivers. I don't think they've allowed an 80-yard uh, receiver in something like 15 games, which is you know getting close to a year here. Uh, basically, they've allowed guys like Roddy White uh, and other secondary receivers to go over for 100, 120 yards against them in every game, but... You know, without Drew Brees in there, he's not somebody I love anymore. I mean, now he's moving probably down real, real low for me. Maybe, you know, I might take a cop out and just go with the hot hand and ride with Stevie Johnson. 
Really liking what Stevie's been able to yeah. do this season. Um, I think just with the questionable tag on Ladarius Green, yep. um, and the fact that I know he's going to be on the field a ton, he's playing like every single snap, and this is that dink and dunk type of offense that's great for these little uh, wide receivers. So it, he's a guy who's going to continue to be a wide receiver three, you know, flex guy. Uh, especially this week against the Vikings um, and Xavier Rhodes shutting down Keenan Allen, allowing, you know, allowing, allowing Steve Johnson just work over the middle, work those short out routes and use, his, you know, short area quickness. So I, I sort of like him this week. Yeah, I like that call, I think, better uh, than Coleman with this primarily because of the Drew Brees news. Uh, although, like you said, Carolina, according to Football Outsiders, they got some great stats uh, for wide, re- uh, wide receivers, the second wide receiver, number two wide receivers. Carolina has given up uh, a little over 70 yards a game. So could be good, but uh, I don't know who's going to be giving them the ball, who's going to get those 70 yards. My wide receiver, I'm going with James Jones. He's rated 28th, according to Dog. Uh, Jones only had seven targets on the season, yet he is Green Bay's highest scoring wide receiver in Pyro Standard scoring leagues. Primarily, obviously, this is due to the touchdowns, his relationship with Rodgers. You know, when they get in close, Rodgers seems to look for him. Uh, KC's given up over 500 yards to wide receivers this season. That's the most in the NFL. Not only, uh, not only that, they're allowing... Uh, Number two wide receivers, just over 100 yards per game. Uh, if that doesn't sell you on James Jones, he's likely going to be matched up against some dude named Jamel Fleming, who is rated by Pro Football Focus as the worst cornerback in coverage. Love the matchup. I think Rodgers is going to recognize this and take advantage. So if that's our flex appeal, what about in uh, straight-up PPR leagues? Who's got some PPR prowess? Talk about James Jones a little bit. I think this could be that yeah. Devontae Adams week to go off. James Jones has just seven targets. Seven. So mm-hmm. all his points are coming off of touchdowns. He's been, you know, what, very underwhelming in terms of yardage through two weeks. The targets aren't there. Targets always are are the basic predictor of you know future success. Uh, touchdowns are not. Touchdowns are due to regress. So this could be that game where Devontae Adams finally breaks out and, and gets his. And I just think, you know, they're going to uh, make sure to get him the ball a little more. I think they want to get him in the offense, and I think they're going to move him around the formation a little bit, a little bit more than they have in the past. And then there's still that Randall Cobb guy to deal with. So... I, yeah, I, I think Cobb will have a good one. I'm just not loving, uh, you know, I'm not loving James Jones. Just his season numbers. It's like, how can you confidently start him and think, you know, this is going to be the week where he does more than score a touchdown? Because he's going up against Jamel Fleming, who was rated as the worst cover corner in the league. Jamel lines up on Jones' side 93% of the time. Uh, Jones is. Uh, 69% the what left wide receiver. That's always where Fleming lines up, and that dude is just horrific. So I think Rodgers is going to recognize that. The game script is set for a wide receiver from Green Bay to take advantage. 
like I said, over 100 yards to wide receiver number twos. That could certainly play into Adams' favor. Uh, and over 500 yards of wide receivers, Cobb, anybody could take advantage. But I just really think the matchup with Jamel Fleming, uh, I think Rodgers is going to notice that, take advantage of it, and go after it. I think uh, that's exactly why they played Devontae Adams on that side this week. Yeah, but Devontae Adams, he's going up against Marcus Peters. He's got That's a much tougher matchup. Yeah, that's why they're going to switch sides. <laughs> I, I, I think they want to get Devontae Adams the ball. I think they know Devontae Adams is better than James Jones, and I think okay. they need to start getting him in the game scripts. So I think they're going to flip sides a little bit more this week. Okay. Um, PFF has uh, James Jones lining up on the left side 69% of the time. Devontae only 20%. He's lined up over there, but we shall see. That's why it's flipping. Okay. Uh, then we've got PPR prowess. Stags, who do you like for PPR? Uh, no one. I don't like PPR. PPR sucks. Uh, but if I had to pick somebody... Dude, get with the times, man. No, who I'm, does standard anymore? I'm being sarcastic. I only play in PPR leagues. Uh, at least half point PPR. I don't really like standard leagues. It's too much chasing touchdowns, and you know I'd much rather take take you know dependable things that actually help win ball games other than touchdowns, like receptions, like running backs actually gaining yards after receptions. Which, so who do you like PPR? Who do I like PPR? <laughs> I like Gio Bernard who can actually right. gain yards after catching the ball, unlike other running backs in that division. Uh, he's got like a 10-yard career after catch average. You know, he's been just working on his game, you know, played above Jeremy Hill after those two fumbles last week. And I just think going up against the Ravens, who might be stout inside, uh, they're going to have to use him on the outside a little bit more, move him around the formation, uh, while also you know doing those screen passes, using him in the slot, just getting him the ball in space and letting him use his electric punt return ability uh, to get the ball in space and make some plays. Where do you think the split is with uh, Gio and Hill going forward? Uh, going forward... I think it's more 50-50 after what we've seen no, from Gio? No, I always thought it was going to be somewhere around 60-40 but they were going to run it so much more than anybody else. I think uh, Jeremy Hill's going to get, like, 240 carries. I think, you know, Gio's going to get, like, 240 touches. So touches and carries will be a little bit different. Uh, I just think they'll have to find ways to get these guys on the field at the same time and, you know, use Gio's electric ability. I just I wish Hugh Jackson was a little bit more innovative. A little bit. Because yeah. you imagine them lining Gio up in the slot in that using that jet motion sweep that they do with Edelman a lot in uh yeah. you know New England and getting him around the corner with Gio coming in as the hammer on the backside that would just be a great great sort of subsection of the offense that they could work in for five plays a game and defenses would not know how to react and it would get both players big big opportunities yeah uh, I totally agree. Well said. Um, my running back PPR prowess is uh, Lance Dunbar, tied for second in targets amongst all running backs with 13. The leader has 14. Um, he plays the Falcons. No other team has given up more receptions or yards to backs out of the backfield than Atlanta. I think with all the things that are happening down in Cowboy Town, uh, they're going to need 
to rely on some old school guys, some uh, some running backs in Dunbar. They've been really going to out of the backfield, and I think it's going to continue. They got the great matchup for wide receiver. I got two for you. I got Crabtree. Do you have something on Dunbar? Yeah, I think he's second in receiving yardage among running backs as of right now. Uh, the only question is how dramatically is this offense going to change with Brandon Wheat? How yeah. are they going to distribute the ball? I need to see it to believe it to play a Dunbar with this new sort of quarterback, wide receiver, running back system. I think they might have to run it a lot more. Uh, and I don't think they really like Dunbar as a runner. So I'm sort of concerned about him going forward. I want to see him sort of maintain his role that he's been in the first two weeks. I want to see him maintain that with a lackluster quarterback, to say the least. Yeah, he's got a, uh, if you're making a list, you got a bunch of pros working for him, but that is one stark con, uh, Whedon. We, we, that's a big question mark. We just don't know. I'd like to think he's going to be in the opportunity to sort of, you know, check down or go to Gunbar, Dunbar on some quick out routes. We shall see what the role is for Mr. Whedon. Um, wide receiver, I got two for you. Uh, first, Cecil Shorts. Now, this is dependent upon the health of Nuke primarily. Uh, but even when Nuke's on the field, he's received eight targets week one, 12 in week two. Um, he, he could be a sneaky play. He, he's been, as you said, targets are a big predictor of success. He's been getting the targets even when Nuke's been on the field. And, you know, the news kind of flipped around on Nuke. And I, I really didn't think he'd be playing. It looks like he might be a go, although he's still got to pass that last concussion protocol test. But, um, I liked him a lot more if Nuka. I will like him a lot more if Nuka is out. And uh, I still think he's a decent PPR play if Nuka is there. My second wide receiver guy is uh, Crabtree. You got something on uh, Cecil? I'd like to jump in on Cecil because I like Nate Washington so much more. Uh, he's been getting, you know, they've both been pretty much equally targeted. He's been targeted 19 times uh, over the season and in game one. He had uh, 11 in the second game. He had eight. Uh, I just think he's the clear number two in this offense. And they also like to use him on a little bit more vertical routes. Uh, he's not the prototypical short, you know, PPR player, but he's that one of those guys that just sort of catches everything uh, that's put around him. Ryan Mallett doesn't necessarily put it around him all that much. But if he did, he's he's a guy with a reliable sort of catch radius. Uh, usually catches sixty or so percent of his passes, and and has had like a seventy four seventy five catch season under his belt. Uh, Cecil might be a little bit of the safer play in a PPR league, but I just like Washington's upside a lot more in that respect. Uh, yeah, I looked at Washington. I mean, he's got nineteen targets to Cecil's twenty. Uh, the tiebreaker for me is that Cecil will likely be going up against Sterling Moore, who is just not nearly as good of a safety, I think, or a cornerback as um, Tim Jennings will be on Washington. So that was sort of the, the tiebreaker for me, because like you say, they've both been used pretty much the same, uh, 20 targets and 19 targets. I just went with who has the better matchup. And Sterling Moore, um, he is not nearly as good as uh, Tim Jennings. Sterling Moore was always rated pretty far down last year on PFF's uh, ranking. They haven't had, they've only had two weeks now, um, but he just doesn't seem to be, he sure. just doesn't seem to be as quick in uh, uh, 
uh, secondary spots as Jennings does. Yeah, some, uh, Tim Jennings blows balls. He can't even make the Chicago Bears roster. Uh, so there's always that looking for him. And Sterling Moore is better in the slot than he is on the outside. I think he's sort of miscast for the role they're asking for him. Uh, so, yeah, I think both, if Nuke were to sit, could be great plays. Uh, I think they both have that kind of 80 to 100 yards sort of potential. Uh, we've seen it out of each of them in the first two weeks here. So let's, uh, I'm hoping Nuke plays. That's that's the real thing. Uh, I don't want to get too get deep a, into this. Can I get a confirmation on how you know he blows balls? Uh, you get cut from the Chicago <laughs> Bears defense. Okay, all right, that's enough. Uh, Crabtree is uh, tied for fifth in total targets. He's my last uh, wide receiver PPR prowess. Uh, tied for fifth in total targets with 24. Uh, looks fantastic last week. Uh, Joe Hayden, he'll be going up against him primarily. Um, Hayden ain't what he used to be. So far this year, this surprised me. Hayden gave up 133 yards in two outings so far. Uh, nearly 15 yards per catch. He's allowed two touchdowns in two games. Um, plus, Crabtree lines up right a little bit less than 50% of the time. Hayden plays the left defensive side but like 70% of the time, so on that same side. Um, I'm speculating. But if Hayden does indeed shadow a player, I think he's likely um, to be on Amari. I mean, he shadowed Marshall in week one, so I think if Hayden, who isn't playing as well as he used to, uh, but I think Hayden would probably be on Amari. And uh, I like Crabtree this week. Thoughts on Crabtree or a PPR wide receiver that you got? Uh, I gotta like Crabtree a little bit. I I was surprised by the little bit of juice he showed in his legs last week. That was the most surprising part. That has looked gone and absent from his game the last couple seasons after that Achilles injury. Uh, you know, haven't seen that much since college. So uh, it was good to see it back. Joe Hayden has always been underrated, overrated in the same sense. He's good at, he's good at what he does, uh, but guys with, you know, elite abilities can beat up on him. Guys with elite size can beat up on him. And guys with that, uh, speed and quickness can beat up on him. But he can shut down average players, like, no doubt. Uh, if there's a guy who doesn't have it, like, if you want to do the matchup of, you know, unathletic talents on the outside and play Keenan Allen across from Joe Hayden, Joe Hayden would shut him down. But if you're going to put him up against a guy like Julio, against a guy like Brandon Marshall with size and, you know, hands and body positioning, you know, Hayden's going to get beat up a little bit. And should we move on to, uh, by the way, do you know, uh, Paul Chargian's name, Hayden, I, I thought it was pretty clever, was, uh, the Iron Hayden, which I thought was pretty good. Um, you want to move on to the, your stream team or you got a wide receiver PPR prowess player for us? Uh, my other guy was Nate Washington in that same sort of respect. Oh, okay. Uh, if I had right. to pick another one, maybe, you know, a guy who I'm looking at deeper, and I want to see it first. I want to see, you know, Cole Beasley with Brandon Wheaton. I want to see how this offense starts to sort of change now that they're going to have to a little bit. You know, Brandon Wheaton's always been a low percentage 
sort of throwing guy, usually under 60% in his career. But I think they're going to ask him to be a game manager, drop the ball off to the Dunbars, drop the balls off to the Beasleys, and maybe take a deep shot to a Terrence Williams every now and then. So I want to see it first, but with Brandon Marshall out, I want to see how, you know, how Cole Beasley responds. I think in the only start of Whedon last year, he had just two targets. If that can change, you know, think good things could happen, but he's not really a guy on my radar or in, you know, 12 team leagues at this time. All right. So the proof is going to be in the pudding for Stags. And let's, uh, we, we took a look. Pyromaniac listeners at guys who are available in 50% of leagues out there. I mean, this is obviously going to change depending on your form or your uh, league, which, which, where you're playing. But we come up with basically a stream team. Now, you formed a whole team, so who are you streaming this week, sir? So I did, let's talk a little bit about last week. Had some hits, had some misses. Uh, you know, I hit on the Dalton again. Uh, People have been asking a lot of questions about Dalton streaming this week. Uh, I don't really like him. As the dog has said many times, he is absolutely terrible uh, against Baltimore. He's just awful. He averages like uh, like 250 yards with a 4-7 to seven interception ratio. And it's just bad news. So I'm much rather looking at someone... Maybe a little bit way down, had a nice week one. So this week, looking to Alex, go for it, Smith. Interesting. Uh, I just think they're going to have to throw it to keep up with uh, Green Bay on Monday night. Uh, I think, you know, the corners of Green Bay are overrated, uh, and the pass rush can be a little bit overrated. uh, So I think they'll stop the run. Green Bay hasn't allowed a 100-yard rusher at home in something like uh, a long time. I think it's like eight, ten straight games or something like that. So you're not looking good for Charles. I think Alex Smith is going to have to chuck it, and he's going to have to chuck it to Travis Kelsey and chuck it to uh, Jeremy Macklin a little bit this week. I think if they're going to stay in the game, they're going to have to take a few deep shots and get, you know, make some room for Charles, make some room from Kelsey underneath. But I think, you know, Alex Smith is a guy who could have an underrated nice week on Monday Night Football. Uh, I didn't look in the rearview mirror so much. I did that uh, at the next thing we're doing, the two-week, too early to pick up. Um, but as a Carson Palmer owner, uh, he's got a rough stretch coming up, weeks three, four, five. But he's been playing so well, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with it. However, if you uh, maybe are a Philip Rivers owner, man, he's got a rough stretch out of the gate, so you might be looking to stream. Um, maybe somebody got a little chippy on uh, Chip Kelly there with uh, Bradford. He might eh, just be able to turn things around, I believe, in the team. Um, in weeks three, he's got one of the top ten easiest matchups for quarterback coming up. So I think Bradford, they're going to have to turn it around. I think the pressure is going to be on him. I think he might be able to do it. And depending on your league, I think he's going to be available. I think a lot of guys gave up on him already. And then the guy I really wanted to go with is uh, Colin Kaepernick for the 49ers. He's got a uh, top 10, I think the 10th easiest schedule for quarterbacks. Uh, in week three, they face the Cardinals. And that's, again, 10th easiest schedule according to Dogs, S-O-S. 
Facing the Cardinals, only two other NFL teams gave up more rushing yards to opposing quarterbacks last year. That is right up Cappy's alley. And so far this year, they've given up the seventh most passing yards. Uh, for the t- Oh, yeah, go for it, Zach. Yeah. Bradford is a definite fit for me this week. Uh, he's a guy I have on my roster. The Jets are not the Jets of old. They will blitz the shit out of this offense. Uh, and with the way their offensive line has played, uh, I'm not liking this matchup for them. I, if there's a week for them to rebound, I don't think it's this week. Uh, I think if they, they're gonna have to be a balanced sort of offense with a lot of quick screens in order to do things, uh, this week, and I don't think it matches up great, you know, for Bradford this week. I don't know, I, I could, I can't justify a reason to start him. I keep looking for one, and it's like, ooh, can't do it. I, it's more belief. I think the, I believe in Chip Kelly. I think they are in a situation where alarm bells are going to start ringing, and I think Bradford's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder for always being injured and never really performing, and I think Chip Kelly's mad. I just believe in the team, and I think they might do well. But like I say, I would go with Cappy. Um, I think he's got a great matchup, especially running. You never know if he's going to get a rushing touchdown, and he's playing the perfect team to do it. Um, what about tight end? I, I like your pick here. Who do you got? Kobe Fleena! Uh, I like it. Basically, when Delane Allen is out, Kobe Fleener will play. And he'll play a lot of snaps. He hasn't you know, done anything this season. So he's probably not on anybody's roster. And if they drafted him, they've already dropped him now after a one target through two game performance. So you gotta play him. You gotta trust it. And you just gotta trust Andrew Luck to get back on, uh, course because it's going to happen. They average, he averages 88 yards a game receiving without Dwayne Allen in the lineup. Uh, they said they got to get the ball to the tight ends more. They said they got to get the tight ends more involved. And this is coming from both, you know, Pagano. This is coming from, you know, Andrew Luck. This is coming from everybody that matters, saying that they're going to get the ball to the tight end. And, yeah, they might be baiting me, but I'm hook, line, and sinker taking it. And they're playing Dogs SOS. It's the eighth easiest strength schedule this week for uh, tight ends. I'm with you. My only fear is that this offensive line is so horrific that they're going to need the tight end to stay in and block. Um, the, the Colts have not looked like, well, the Colts uh, lately. Um, they, fa- they did face some really tough Ds. I think the Bills and the Jets the first two weeks. Lions certainly are not, um, ain't what they used to be either. But, man, that offensive line has been porous and they just might need Flinger to block a bit more. That's my only concern, but I like him. Um, I've got Delaney Walker. I like him. He scored a touchdown in week one, did not play week two. Uh, listed as probable. Week three, he should go. And through the first two games, Marcus Mariota, he's been relying on tight ends. Uh, in fact, the Titan tight ends have the fourth most fantasy points amongst all tight ends. Last week, the Titans tar- tight ends were targeted 14 times by Mariota in freaking Fasano had five receptions, 84 yards, and a touchdown. So Fasano can do it. I like Walker. No, I'm not going to disagree with anything there. So I cheated a little bit. I posted this. 
you know, we're recording this on Friday. I told you yesterday the New York Giants were my stream of the week at defense. <laughs> I told you, just so I'm on the record, I'm taking their points. Uh, just because I there's one thing I've always noticed about Thursday night games. I always try to take the better team, especially if they're at home on a short week. It just always seems to play real well. And usually, you know, one offense isn't that good to where they can be overpowered, throw some picks, fumble the ball, just look sloppy altogether, and Washington looked sloppy. So the Giants were my uh, stream of the defense of the week, but if you need one for Sunday, you're desperate. You're going to go back to the well, and you're going to take the Cleveland Browns. You're just going to hope you know, Derek Carr throws a couple picks, which you know he can do. Uh, you're going to hope um, Latavius Murray doesn't get rolling, which I actually think he will. I just think they'll be able to do enough against Carr that, you know, the run game is sort of neglected. I think they'll be able to get some pressure on him with their front uh, against this Raiders offensive line. So if I'm looking for a late, late stream that's pretty much free, the Browns would be mine this weekend. Yeah, the Raiders, I just can't figure out. Uh, you know, week one, they looked like the Raiders put up 13 points against the Bengals. But then last week they won. They hung 37 on the Baltimore Ravens. So I don't know which Oakland team we're going to see. Uh, that will be an interesting one. Should we move on to uh, – do you have anyone else listed for a stream team? A stream team? i got to finish it off with a kicker because apparently I, that's what people do. I Yeah, see, I in DraftKings, I'm so used to – Doing that, we, there's no kickers, which I love. Yeah, in our DFS piece, we did a you know DraftKings points allowed chart, and I had to like reformat uh, uh, the chart that we use for FanDuel because there's no kickers, yeah. so I had to change everything. Um, Yet another reason: not only are are they back in pyro, but no kickers. Gotta love that. All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, Brandon McManus, he is not owned in nearly enough leagues. Uh, I think he's owned like 30% of NFL.com leagues. And this is a guy who put up like 15 points, 18 points in week one. Uh, I think this offense will get going a little bit more as the weeks go on. I think, you know, he's still going to have a chance for some long kicks. Uh, Whenever they are at home, uh, which they are not this week, he has the ability to kick the super, super long one. And in the Dome in Detroit, you can all also kick some long field goals. So I like a Brandon McManus in a primetime game to keep what he's sort of been doing this season going. And, you know, if you're looking for that cheap option, you can't find, you know, too many better offenses around than a Brandon McManus uh, and what he's a part of. Heard it from Stag's mouth here first, folks. We're moving next to our segment. We've got two weeks too early to pick up. And this is the one I want to look in the review real quick. Um, last week, Stag's mentioned, and I hope I'm not stepping on your toes here, but mentioned Perriman. Great call. Baltimore sorely needs this cat. And boom, this week he returns to practice. Things looking up. Um... Last week I mentioned uh, Mike Davis. Mike Davis. I mean, yeah, and uh, he was fourth on the depth chart when I ma- mentioned him, buried behind Jared Hayne, 
Sure enough, he's number three this week, so he's moving on up. Now, I get it. He didn't look great last week, but he got in his due uh, with the Carlos Hyde injury. Uh, like I said last week, this is the second half of the season kind of guy. Um, it takes a long time. They're incorporating elements of zone blocking. It takes a long time for the linemen to get it and the running backs to get it. Um, I don't see Carlos Hyde as being able to have the durability to hold up all season. Uh, I thought it was good to see Davis get some work ahead of Hine. Sure enough, he, he pulled ahead of him in the depth chart. Uh, David got, Davis got nine touches to Haynes two. And, you know, again, didn't look great, but I think there's going to be some stability there at the end uh, with the health issues of not only Hyde but Bush. Uh, I think at the, towards the end of the season, Davis could be a potential candidate. Uh, my other pick last week was uh, David Johnson. And man, if he didn't answer the bell, uh, out of sight game again week two. Um, the only concern I have here is the coaching staff, really. Uh, Arians already said that he's working in the rookies slow. He's never been one to really throw uh, the ball to the rookies or, you know, let the rookies carry a, a load. Um, it always seems that way, you know. Coaches are behind the fantasy times. Uh, for whatever the reason, they're somewhat reticent to bring along the young bucks too quickly even when the writing's on the wall, which I think it is with DJ. Um, you know, now you're kind of hoping for a CJ, Chris Johnson, uh, injury. But eventually I think talent will win out in this one with David Johnson. Yes, sir. What do you think? I, I think David Johnson's always going to be a bit of a complimentary piece. And, yeah, that role can certainly grow to a 10 to 12 sort of touch uh you know, a game type, but I think that'll make their offense better as a whole. Uh, as soon as Andre Ellington gets back, I hope they start to uh, phase CJ 2K, 0K, CJ, question mark K. That's what I think it'll be, is Ellington and Johnson. And hopefully they don't use either of them too much. I think that's where they're both going to shine. That's the goal here, Mo. Yeah. This week, call me crazy. Uh, and again, this is the too weak, too early to pick up, but I'm liking Christine Michael. Um, NFL Fantasy has him owned at less than 2% of their leagues. Uh, I think this could be the week that they might give him a shot. He certainly has the talent. Uh, no one else has really run away with the job, so to speak. Uh, and their studs are dropping like flies, obviously, with Romo and Dez. Uh, Witten is hobbled now. Uh, they need some flesh blood in there. There's a reason to acquire him. Now, if it's not this week, I think he's going to get his shot soon, and I want to grab him before everybody else sees what he has to do. I, I'm big on Christine Michael. I've just always been a fan. I'm starting to get a little worried. He doesn't seem to be moving up the depth charts at all in practice. They seem pretty okay with what they have. I don't even know... You know, how soon he's going to get really active, how soon he's going to get a touch, how soon he's going to get a look. I think it might be a further than two weeks too early away. He might be a half season away at this point. And oh, I don't think it's that long. I would bet either this week or the next week he starts to get some Papa's cherry, so to speak. Papa's Dallas cherry and gets a little wet game time action. I th he might get five, seven snaps, but... I think his fantasy value is probably eight weeks off. Ooh. See, I see that more with maybe some a Davis, but I think Michael 
I think you're going to want to grab them now. I really do. Um, you got, got anyone else you want to tell the folks to uh, pick up two weeks too early, or you want to roll right into the Daily Dose? Uh, we can talk about Marquise Lee. Uh, Rashad Green posted, basically, posted up on IR right now. He, he's a guy who got 13 targets in week one. He's a guy who has been just open underneath. Uh, you know, Marquise Lee got back in game action. Um, Alan Hearns has been a little bit banged up. So then, you know, it's there's potential for that. Uh, that offense looked pretty good last week. They finally looked that they could block, you know, defenders, which was great. Uh, Bortles looked like he was decisive and got the ball out. And Allen Robinson looked like a true number one to take pressure off of all these other receivers. So Marquise Lee is a guy with a huge, huge pedigree who, if you, you know, if you give any return yards or anything along those lines. He's a guy you got to know. And I just think his ability to make people miss after the catch will provide a different element to this offense that they don't already have. You've got a sort of prototypical number one in Allen Robinson. You've got the deep, long guy in Allen Hearns. And then hopefully Marquise Lee in the slot can turn out to be just one of those dynamic players in space. Could be. Uh, the offense has looked has been surprising. You know, we're, we're used to uh, seeing them come out a certain way, sort of being uh, the the great the dregs of the NFL. But uh, they're looking like they've got a bit of an upswing to them. The daily dose, folks. We're going to give you a daily dose of daily fantasy, and I'm going to start off with Moe's steaming hot tip of the week. Last week, I talked about different game types. Uh, the, the head-to-head, the cash games, head-to-heads, uh, double-ups, and versus the GPPs. Again, I set my lineups, you know, different depending on which type I'm playing. I'm playing more tr- traditional lineup for the cash games, head-to-head for the double or uh, sorry, playing more traditional lineups for the cash games, like the head-to-head to the double-ups, and a bit more contrarian for the GPPs. As I said, um, you need to differentiate yourself from the herd a little bit, especially when there are hundreds of thousands of players uh, playing for the GPP. This week, I want to make a bit of an addition to last week's discussion. Not only am I setting my lineups different depending on the game type, but the percentage of my weekly bet differs as well. Uh, in DFS, there's an industry saying, 80-20-10. Uh, basically, they're talking about percentages. Um, so you need to budget your money. How much are you willing to spend? So think of it, how can you? How much can you afford to lose? That's the way I look at it, and I'll put that chunk aside. What am I willing to spend on DFS for the year if I lose every single week? Uh, what is your yearly budget total? So working backwards on the 80-20-10, the idea is that I'm going to take 10% of my yearly bankroll, whatever I'm prepared to lose and spend on DFS for the year, that's my weekly allotment, uh, 10% of that. Once your weekly amount is determined, again, about 10% of my total budget, I'm then going to spend about 80% of that on the games I've got a greater rate of return, the greater chance. In other words, the cash games, the head-to-heads, the double-ups. That leaves us with our first number, 20. I will then use the remaining 20% of my weekly allotment and bet that on the GPPs, the huge tournaments. Uh, I try to work it so as long as I win 80% of my games, I'm going to at least break even, hopefully pull out a little bit of money. That's the way I've been working it this year. I'm kind of grinding it out, 
always in the green, always in the black, as long as I'm winning my cash games. Maybe not by a ton, but I'm always going to make out a little bit. Then, the rest of it's just gravy. That 20% that I'm betting on the, the GPPs. Uh, like last week, I, I hit on everything. Um, and like I said, I'm, I'm counting on that 80%. Give me a little bit, I'll grind it out. But then, I hit on my GPPs. Now, I didn't hit big, but I hit. So, hey man, I'll take those extra winnings. I had a pretty good week. So, there's my steaming hot tip of the week. Um, going on to quarterback. Cash games, I like me some Russell Wilson. Uh, he's tied for the eighth price quarterback on DraftKings, 7,000. That means if you use the times three, you want to get about 21 points out of him. Uh, you know, he's always right there with rushing points. You never know if he's going to get a rushing touchdown, add some um, rushing yards for you. Vegas thinks Seattle's going to win by more than two touchdowns. 14 and a half is the latest. Uh, the Bears D is just terrible, especially their cornerbacks, Kyle Fuller, McManus, and Ball. They're all rated by PFF in the bottom half. Um, McManus has the highest grade at 57th best corner. Fuller's the second worst uh, out of 97 in coverage. So I like Wilson. I'm even going to give you another quarterback, and I almost had him as my stream candidate, uh, Fitzpatrick. He's only 5,100 on DraftKings. Thus, I only need about 15.3 points. There are about uh, 29 other quarterbacks that cost more in DK. He's had two touchdowns in each of his games so far this season, and this week he has the second easiest quarterback strength of schedule. His wide receivers have the first easiest. Vegas has this one as a close one. It's going to be a high-scoring game. They're going to be in it. Uh, the Eagles have given up three passing TDs this season, 10th uh, most yards to opposing quarterbacks so far this year. Um, in, in 2014, last year, the Birds gave up the most yards to opposing quarterbacks and the third most fantasy points to the position. So those are my uh, quarterbacks. Who are you liking for a daily pick in a quarterback position? Cam Newton. Cam Newton. Cammy, Cammy no stacks, they call them. Yeah, I, I can't stack with Cam Newton, that's for sure. I mean, I guess <laughs> you could stack Cam and Greg Olson. He's fairly cheap at the position. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I'm hoping Olsen turns it around, but uh, that's the that's the beauty of playing Cam is you don't necessarily have to play uh play a Carolina wide receiver, and you can kind of create a real unique lineup. Uh, uh, I'm not one of those guys who does a lot of stacking, in all honesty. Uh, I like this sort of melting pot, mix and match, uh, take take a, taking my guys. A good American you are, Stags. Uh, I, I just the way I like to play. I, I like to play picking my guys that I think are going to do well. And yeah. if a guy who I don't like goes off, I don't give a shit. <laughs> like good, good, good for him. It's like I'm not gonna play Brandon Marshall like ever because I hate Brandon Marshall. I hate what he did to my locker room, and <laughs> I, I think he could just keep talking out of his ass uh, on TV. So well, you're gonna love one of my wide receiver picks. I, I already continue. Saw, I already saw. I thought about going into the document <laughs> and giving it a strike through, um, but. My, That'll show him. That'll teach him. My, my cam is, or my quarterback is Cam. My cam is Cam. Okay. Uh, oh. Basically, the thing is, he just dominates against the Saints. The Saints are wretched. Uh, they've allowed what twenty-seven points to Carson Palmer, and then twenty and a half to Jameis Winston. 
Jameis Winston will allow 20 points to him, so I don't think there's a way that Cam Newton doesn't score 20 points. They allowed a, a rushing touchdown to Jameis Winston, and they've allowed two touchdowns to both guys that have played against him. Uh, you know, he's gotten so many carries already this season. I think he's at, like, what, 20, 20 to 24 already this season, got over 100 yards. I just think he's going to be able to run. I think he'll be able to connect a couple deep passes to Ted Ginn. He might drop two or three, but he's going to catch two or three. Uh, and then Greg Olson is going to be more involved. You know, his career against the Saints has been, you know, fairly profitable. He's the exact same player at home and on the road. Uh, and basically, I just think he's going to, you know, throw for about 200 yards and have a two to one touchdown ratio. Uh, one of those, hopefully, is a rushing touchdown. And then I think he'll rush for 40 to 50 yards, which not many other quarterbacks are going to offer you this week. Yeah, the only guy that's ahead of my two quarterbacks in the rushing stats, uh, ahead of Russell Wilson in rushing yards, and Colin Kaepernick in ahead of rushing yards and attempts, is Cammy Nostacks. He's number one at both positions. Cammy Nostacks. So, you know, moving on to one of my flag-planted players that we both share this this week, Julian Edelman. Uh, I, yes. I think they're both going – I think no matter which routes New England takes, no matter if they go the fat two-back sort of, you know, run the clock, uh, take it slow, hammer in the blunt, or if they go with the Dion Lewis spread it out – dank and dunk offense, that Edelman is going to be the one receiver that's involved. Uh, after seeing a week where Amendola was involved, uh, seeing a week where Dobson was involved, I think it's just going to be one of those Edelman-type games where he continues to be the most targeted wide receiver in football uh, and just catches a boatload of passes uh, against this you know weaker defense in his sort of just running running right across the middle. Uh, and his ability near the red zone this season, just them making sure to get him in the right routes in the red zone it has been awesome. That Them just using the quick motions and quick you know, slants and outs just to get him the ball real quick when nobody can cover him in a short area has been, off, uh, has been awesome. So I'm really liking a Julian Edelman this week going up against Jacksonville, and I think he's, no matter the game plan, uh, New England uses, he's the safest play next to Robin Grouski in that offense. Yeah, Vegas has the Patriots scoring more than 30 points on their own, and in DraftKings, he's only 7000 He's priced like a, basically a wide receiver, too. Uh, they've got 10 wide receivers that cost more, and with full-point PPR in DraftKings, you got to love 12 targets week one, 19 week two. Um, my pick, of course... Everybody's favorite wide receiver. That's Brandon Marshall. Uh, money game, especially. Um, I don't think it's going to be too contrarian, but he, especially if Decker's out, so you want to keep your eyes on the uh, Twitter sphere and the practice reports for Friday. Although I don't think they're going to really tell us about Decker till the weekend. Um, but especially if Decker's out, I think he's going to Marshall is going to get good. Not only that, he's got a dynamite matchup. Byron Maxwell. Uh, PFF rates him near the very bottom for coverage corners. In fact, when grading cornerbacks, uh, only five guys got a worse rating um, than who Brandon Marshall's going up against. Oh, I, 
running back. I feel ya. I feels ya. My running back. Uh, that's on both of my teams so far. I've been building it around Latavius Murray. Uh, really liking Latavius yeah. Murray this week going up uh, against the Browns. I just think he's one of the safer bets for workload in the entire NFL right now. There's not many guys you can say that I know he's getting 18 to 20 touches this week. And I feel like at his price, at 7000 in FanDuel, uh, he is a great play. Uh, I think he'll be able to shred the Browns' defense like Chris Ivory did in Week 1. And this could be the game where he breaks some long ones. He hasn't really gotten it going in the run game so far this season. He's been more of an all-around player, catching a ton of passes. Uh, and I know they're going to continue to use him like that. I just think he gets it going with the run game a little bit more this week, and he's going to pay off for you uh, at his you know semi-low price point. I think he's going to be a guy that's highly owned, uh, but I'm okay with that. I, I'm, I'm, I always mix and match the highly owns with the contrarian plays a little bit. I don't think you have to be completely contrarian to win in GPP. That hasn't been the case for me. I've usually got, you know, two to three guys in the 25 to 30% range. Uh, just because you're still beating 70% of people when Julio Jones goes for 30 points like he's going to do, you know, every other week. My play is a guy we've already talked about, Lance Dunbar, but he's just so cheap in DraftKings. Um, he's going for 3200 and I love what that can, how much money that frees up, what you can get. You can get some of the real high-end players at other positions if you're only spending 3200 on one of your running backs. Again, if you do that, the times three rule, I need less than 10 points from him. Um, his average right now for Dunbar, he's averaging eh, 115 yards is his total receiving total. So he's averaging, counting his receptions and his yardage, he's averaging like 11 points. And I only need to get a little over nine out of him. Um, plus, I just think he's going to, like you say, if you're a little more uh, standoffish, want to see the proof first, I, I totally get it with the Whedon thing. But I just think the price alone is enough to lure you in for what you can do to other positions. He doesn't have to put up that much to make up for it. And he's... Fifth in wide in I'm sorry running back targets through the first two weeks uh, targeted eight week one five week two uh, I just love what he can do to your lineup what he can free up um, yeah third he's basically tied for the third because he's got a couple guys ahead of him have the same amount of targets so he's tied for third most out of running backs I'm taking him on my uh, DraftKings lineup that's still hey, up sir. to you sir. I'm, I've got them, and my lineup's already set, ready to roll. Well, Stags, this brings us to the end of another fantastic Pyro Podcast light. It's been a pleasure, as always. And you, sir. Why, thank you very much. Hey, folks, remember to join us on Facebook. That's forward slash Pyromaniac. And as always, check out Stag, the hardest working man in the business, just like James Brown. And the rest of the Pyro crew on the Pyro Heavy podcast, which comes out earlier in the week. And until next time, we will catch you on the flip side.